Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Pleased to be joined by former Raider great Stanford. Ralph Stan, how we doing? Pretty good, man. Football is back. You see, we got uh, already the the preseason games. We had one last week, the Hall of Fame game. But now we got football every weekend from now until, what is it, mid-February or something like that, ending in Las Vegas. So definitely a fun time of the year. I love it. Stan, six months of football, whether it's high school, college, or NFL, it seems it seems like the offseason sometimes after the Super Bowl, you're like, oh, there's depression, no football. Yeah, and then, such a letdown. Right? And then you got, okay, free agency, the draft, and OTAs, and all of a sudden, boom, it's here. You're like, six months of football. I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it, man. Can't wait. All yeah. right. Well, the Raiders open up preseason on Sunday, hosting the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo facing his former team. And Stan, Mike Sando of The Athletic, he recently broke down by tears the NFL starting quarterbacks. And I want to take a look at this list with you. Let's see where some of these guys land, and in particular, uh, Jimmy G. So let me grab the list here. Now, okay. what he did is he he surveyed anonymously 50 league insiders, and I want to make sure I get this right. I'm going to read it. It included 10 head coaches, 8 general managers, 15 coordinators, I'm assuming offensive coordinators, Stan, 10 executives, four quarterback coaches, and then three involved in coaching slash analytics. So, Stan, here's tier one, okay? Tier one quarterback can carry his team each week. The team wins because of him. He expertly handles pure passing situation. No real holes in his game. Okay, Patrick Mahomes is number one. We can all agree mm-hmm. on that. Joe Burrow, number two. Josh Allen, number three. Aaron Rodgers, number four, although coming off a rocky season a year ago, but now the fresh start with the New York Jets. Stan, number five, Justin Herbert. The the first four, I don't have any qualms with. I don't know if anybody can, but Herbert at five, Stan, what do you think? Uh, I don't hate it. Just simply because, I mean, Justin Herbert, big, strong-arm quarterback. Obviously, he's led his team to the playoffs once within his first couple years in the league. And when you look at his stats, I believe he's got, what, the most passing yards or most passing touchdowns or both within, like, the first two to three years uh, of 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 a young quarterback's career in NFL history. So when you look at the stat line, it's not something that is completely shocking for him to be number five. And then I would just venture to ask the question, if he's not number five, then who else would you definitively can put in there that you know definitively, the same way that you know Sunday comes after Saturday, is definitively better than him? That's why I don't really have too many qualms about it. I know everybody's going to go to, oh, okay, but Stan, he had a 27-0 lead in the playoffs and lost to Trevor Lawrence. I get that. I mean, we can go ahead and look at – uh. Deshaun Watson being up 24-0 against Pat Mahomes. Why was Pat Mahomes down 24-0? So we can go ahead and do that until the cows come home. I understand it, but I would simply challenge somebody to who else would you put in that number five spot? I I don't know if they're – I think I might just keep four in the tier one category because, Stan, that's my thing. I mean, Justin Herbert is a wonderful talent. There's no ifs, ands, buts about him. 
But that was just my thing is like, you know what? He's only been in the playoffs once. It's the Chargers. You want to believe in the Chargers every year, but for some reason they just muck themselves up. I was going to say Agreed, another yes. word. I was going to use another word, but I'll keep it. I'll keep it PG rated. So that was my only <laughs> qualm. That was my only qualm with having Justin Herbert at five. That's all. It was just he is a wonderful talent, as we know. We see him twice a year with the Raiders going up against the Chargers, and just the fact that he'd only made the playoffs once and they blew that big lead. But I, I, I'm okay with that. So let's go to tier number two, Stan. Now, tier two quarterback can carry his team sometimes but not as consistently. He can handle pure passing situation in doses and or possesses other dimensions that are special enough to elevate him above tier three. He -hmm. has a hole or two in his game. So at number six, Jalen Hurts. Number seven, Lamar Jackson. Okay. Number eight, Trevor Lawrence. Number nine, Dak Prescott. Now, I think I would have had Dak probably at six. I think I would have put him a little bit higher than Hurts, Jackson, and Lawrence, but that's just me. Number 10 is Matthew Stafford coming off an injury-plagued, horrible season a year ago. 11, Deshaun Watson, who you just mentioned, Stan. And 12 is Kirk Cousins. What do you think of six through 12? I don't really have any, I don't have any issues with it simply because everybody in that six through 12 is exactly what he alluded to within the second tier. They're a, yeah, he's good, but type of situation. So that's why I, I don't have any qualms with it. Uh, you look at Jalen hurts being what number six, right? Uh, Jalen hurts has been in the league. What? Three years. He started in the second year played. So, so obviously last year was an NFL MVP candidate. They lost the Super Bowl to the NFL MVP within a Pat Mahomes. And he had one great year. We're not sure positive that he's going to be able to uh, reduplicate that. So I can see exactly why he's at six. Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl in the 2021 season, but then obviously we see 2022 didn't play well. A lot of injuries. The Rams even asked him to what restructure or take a pay cut. He said, no, apparently the Rams were even trying to trade him at what point. So it's not surprising. You look at Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Lamar Jackson won the NFL MVP award in 2019, but Lamar Jackson hasn't been able to stay healthy since. Lamar Jackson has had his playoff struggles. So everybody in that second tier is good, but so that's why uh, I I don't have any trepidation. I don't have any issues at all with that second tier. And let me ask you this. uh, Can you remember the 12 that we just did? Uh, I can remember. Let me see. You got Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, I forget Rogers four. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers at number four. Then okay. you got a Lamar Jackson. In, I'm sorry. You got Jalen Hurts at number six. You got Lamar Jackson. You got Dak Prescott. You have Kirk Cousins. You have who Matthew we just Stafford. Talked, Matthew, Matthew Stafford. Stafford. And Watson. Yeah, and Watson. Yeah, Stan, I, mean, I mean. But the the reason why I was asking you that the amazing thing those are the top twelve quarterbacks listed, right? Only four of them have won Super Bowls, Dan. I mean. That's not many, Stan. That is a short list. It's Mahomes has two. Then you have Aaron Rodgers with just one. Uh Uh-huh. And Matthew Stafford with one. What's surprising about that, though? You just, I'm like, Stan, only four? It just feels like there would be more. It would be more spread out. Because you got to think about it. Everybody in the league right now has been in the league for everybody in that top 12 has been in the league anywhere from 2005, my draft class, to as recent as what, 2018, 2019. Well, there was a guy named Tom Brady that was playing within the last 18 years. I think you probably heard of him. And they gobbled up a good amount of those Super Bowls or at least the Super Bowl appearances. 
So it's not something that's completely surprising. And I think that DA, the growing sentiment is in the NFL that you need a franchise quarterback to win a Super Bowl. But the thing is, it's only about six to seven franchise quarterbacks on the planet. Just because you go and give somebody a big long-term deal doesn't mean he's a franchise quarterback. You can try to thrust him into that role, but it doesn't mean he's a franchise quarterback. It's only a handful of them on the planet. So when you make the uh, the assertion of, Stan, it's only four guys on that list that have won a Super Bowl, yeah, I'm not totally surprised just because Tom Brady gobbled up a lot of them over the last decade and a half. But also, winning the Super Bowl is hard. Yes. And it's not something that's easy. It's something that's very difficult. And you don't have many quarterbacks that have the ability to be able to lead their team to winning the Super Bowl and then also Maybe a quarterback could simply just be a recipient. He can be someone who's along for the ride because they have a good run game, a really strong defense. Well, in today's brand of football, it's very hard to have a dominating, sweltering type of defense because all of the rules are geared toward the offense side of the ball. So in totality, it's not surprising that it's only four people on that list at one Super Bowl. All right, let's move on to Tier 3 now. And a Tier 3 quarterback is a legitimate starter but needs a heavier running game and our defense component to win, which you just hit on, Stan. A lower-volume drop-back passing offense suits him best. So at number 13, we have Kyler Murray. At number 14, Stan, is Derek Carr. 15 is Jared Goff. I thought Goff might be a little higher on this list, maybe even a 2 He, uh, he will if he if he duplicates the okay. year that he did. I agree. Yeah. 16, Stan, Russell Wilson. What a drop-off, right? And then 17, Tua Tungabailoa. And Stan coming in at number 18 is the Raiders' very own Jimmy G. What do you think of that tier, Stan? And where do you think Jimmy G? Do you think that's right where he should be, number 18? Yeah, I think it's about right where he should be. I mean, you look at all of his years in San Francisco. Obviously, he's a winner. We can clearly see that from his days in New England and San Francisco. But the knock was always... Can he stay healthy? The knock in San Francisco is, can he make the big throw when he needs to? He overthrowing it. What was it? Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl, which if they connected on that pass, they're Super Bowl champions. And Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs only have one to this date. And I think that because of Kyle Shanahan and his ability to be able to propel the San Francisco 49ers with Brock Purdy, with almost anybody playing the quarterback position, it almost kind of takes away from the bouquet of flowers that you would want to throw at Jimmy G for his production that he had in San Francisco, because now it looks like it was more driven by just that team, the, 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 the type of organization that they have, Kyle Shanahan with all the bells and whistles. And it just seems that Jimmy G was just simply the person that was taking the snap from center at the time. And it was all Kyle Shanahan and then the injuries. And I think that for Jimmy G, it's no longer about the regular season. We know that he's got a great record, a great one-loss record. It's going to be all about can he stay healthy, A, and can he produce in the postseason? Can he make that one or two throws a game that he needs to make to push his team over the top? All right. Before we get to more on this conversation, I got to get our promo in here. I should have read it earlier. So Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. 
Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online or the game starts. All right, Stan, so I want to go back to the quarterback situation with the Raiders. I said Derek Carr comes in at number 14. Jimmy G comes in at number 18. So I ask you this. Uh, you talked about Jimmy G's uh, injuries. He has struggled to finish seasons. He got hurt quite a bit for the 49ers. Stan, did the Raiders upgrade the quarterback position going from Derek Carr, who was always available? That's the one thing that he always talked about, being available is the best thing you can be for your team, going to Jimmy yeah. G. Is it an upgrade for the Raiders at the quarterback position? I'd probably say it's a lateral movement just because you look at Derek Carr. I think from an arm talent standpoint, Derek Carr probably has more ability than a Jimmy G, but Derek Carr at times didn't want to throw downfield. At times got too interception happy. At times didn't want to pull the trigger as a lot of Raider fans drew. It drew the ire of a lot of Raider fans. And then apparently it drew the ire of a Josh McDaniels. That's why he was benched the final two games of the year and even told don't come to the facility. So you look at Jimmy G, obviously he's somebody that doesn't throw as many interceptions, but he's somebody who's injury prone. Is he even going to be available? Can he make the big throw in those timely moments? So there's questions about both guys. That's why I personally feel like it's a, it's a lateral movement. And just like I've always said before, when so many people talk about Derek Carr, we need to get a new quarterback. And I'll say it again. Unless you're going to get a Joe Burrow, a Pat Mahomes, an Aaron Rodgers, a Josh Allen, a Justin Herbert, unless you're going to get somebody who is definitively better, then there is a there is a, a huge argument that you can make. It's just sticking with the girl that bought you to the prom. <laughs> Simply because if you don't know for a fact you're getting that definitive upgrade, sometimes the devil that you do know is better than the one you don't. All right, Stan, let's go ahead now and focus on the rest of the offensive positions. And let's start with running backs because I think this one we're not quite sure yet because Josh Jacobs continues to hold out. Yep. Um, you know, you'll still have, you still have Amir Abdullah, Brandon Bolden, mm -hmm. Amir White, Britton Brown, uh, Jakob Johnson. He's coming back. So when Jacobs, if and does he report, do you think the Raiders running back situation is the same as last year, worse or better? Uh, I would probably say maybe either it'll be either the same or to be a little bit better. Obviously, uh, Zamir White, I think that he's somebody that can definitely uh, make some plays for the black and silver. And I think Josh Jacobs, he's still young enough. I don't think that he's going to lose a step based on what he did last year. Now, if we're talking about three years down the line, maybe that's a little different because, you know, when running backs lose their legs, they usually lose them overnight. I just think that uh, I, it's going to be hard for me to imagine that there's any drop off from last year if Josh Jacobs is back in the fold, which I'm expecting him to be back right for week one. Do not miss out on that $10.5 million, my man. Yeah, I agree. I think the, the running game will probably be the same if Josh does report. Now, heaven forbid, if he does decide to do, pull a lady on Bell and sit out the season, then uh, this running game situation is going to be worse. It'll see yeah. uh, how Zamir White handles. I imagine he would get the bulk of the carries. We'll have to see how he would respond to that. All right, Stan, I want to go to the tight end position because me, to me, that may be more intriguing than this offensive line now. I mean, the Raiders, they traded Darren Waller. They let Foster Morrow go on free agency. He signed with the New Orleans Saints. Waller's traded to the New York Giants. They drafted Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. They brought in Austin Hooper. They dropped, brought in O.J. Howard. Uh, you know, coming back is Jesper Horstead. I, Stan, I feel, let me ask, let me start with you. Better, worse, or the same from last year with this tight end group? 
Uh, I think that anytime you do not have Darren Waller or Foster Moreau uh, within the fold, I think it's going to be very, it's going to be a very uphill battle to replace their type of production. So I would just simply say worse. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I was a big fan of Morrow. Uh, obviously, Darren Waller now, I know his production had dipped uh, from two years ago when he had a franchise record, what, 107 grabs, I think, for well over 1,200 exactly, yards, yes. 55 receptions in 2021, and then last year, just 28. But he was injury prone, but I do think he, just him being on the field was a threat that it opened up so much more for other guys, uh, whether it was a running back or, or wide receiver. So I, right now, I would agree with you, Stan. I think this position group is worse. All right, let's take a look at the receiver position group now. And we've got the additions of Jacoby Myers coming over from uh, the New England Patriots. They drafted Trey Tucker, Philip Dorsett coming over from the Patriots as well. Um, they lost Mac Hollins, but when you got Devontae Adams back, Hunter Renfro, Keelan Cole, Stan, better, worse, or same? Uh, I would probably go with, uh, I, would, I would go with the same. You still got Hunter Renfro. He's still there. Obviously, Devontae Adams, one of the best in the league. I, 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 I don't think that you're going to see much drop off. I don't think you're going to see much fall off. If anything, it'll be because of the quarterback play, not because of the firepower that you have within the receiving corps. Yeah, and I do think this group is going to be better. I mean, Devontae Adams, to me, is the best wide receiver in football. People might say I'm biased. Okay, if he's not number one, then he's, what, top two or three? Yeah, Let's exactly. go there. I think Hunter Renfro has a bounce back year. I, I really do. I think he struggled a year ago in that system, new system with Josh McDaniels. Injuries definitely got, you know, took its toll on him as well. I think Jacoby Myers is an upgrade over Mac Holland. So I do think this group as a whole, as well as they played last year, I do think it is going to be uh, an upgrade with them. So uh, hopefully I'll be right with that prediction. All right, Stan, now the offensive line. Uh, we got the returners, Colton Miller, Dylan Parham, Andre James. That's the left side, left Left tackle, left guard, starting center. I think they're good there. Then you get to the right side, and that's where the toss-up is. They're bringing back Alex Barr, Jermaine Illuminor, Brandon Parker, Thayer Munford Jr. Um, they brought in some new additions, including you know Greg Van, uh, Van Rotten, who I believe is starting to push Alex Barr's. Um, Stan, do you think this group is the same? Do you think it's worse, or do you think it is better? Remain. It remains to be seen. Uh, I would just go ahead and just put a TBD uh, to be determined on that. That's probably the best assessment that I can give right now at this point. Just training camp just starting uh, not too long ago. I I, I would like to res I would like to uh, reserve my right <laughs> to uh, to uh, wait a little bit longer before I give my assessment. All right, I'll respect that. Right now, um, because they brought back everybody, and I don't see anybody. Uh, you know, really standing out on the right, either on the right guard or right tackle. I'm going to say it's going to be the same. I mean, they're going to run it back with a group that contributed to Carr. He was sacked 40 times uh, in 2021, and they went down a little bit last year, 27 times. Uh, but they, you know what? They did a good job in the run game. I mean, you got to figure Josh Jacobs led the NFL in rushing. So they did something right last yeah. year, Stan, you know? So anyways, we'll look at uh People who listen to this podcast know we also venture off and talk about other things. And as everybody knows, Stan, you are an assistant coach on the University of Houston staff. And college football has been in the news, especially last year, especially out here on the West Coast, uh, with all the movement of teams jumping conferences. Uh, the Pac-12, Stan, is essentially dead after uh, you know Oregon. Um, beg your part, let's start with Colorado, uh, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah. Go to the Big 12, the conference that you are now in for the first time this season. Uh, we've got Washington. And Oregon now joining UCLA and USC uh, in the Big Ten. Stan, let me ask you this. Um, let me start with this. Do you like 
these super conferences, which we basically have now with the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Big 12. I'll be honest with you. It, uh, it's something that I, I really struggle with because, you know, when I look at how USC is going to be playing Penn State or Maryland or Iowa on just a casual Saturday morning in early October and it not being a, a, a bowl game, that's just different from what I'm used to. Like you're now going to see in about a year from now, Oklahoma versus Georgia is a conference game. Tennessee versus Texas, a conference game. So for me, I think that uh, I'm, I'm a purist. I'm used to having the conferences a little bit more region based. The Pac-12, obviously the school is out on the West Coast. The ACC is the Atlantic Coast Conference. So everybody within the conference is at least near the Atlantic Ocean and so forth. So for me, I'm still adjusting to this new landscape of college football. It's going to take me some time. Maybe it just shows to my age and, you know, how much I'm a purist. But I, I really liked back when the conferences were more based on what part of the country you were in. And I just think that that was great for the fans. Yeah, I agree, Stan. I think the fans are probably going to be the biggest losers. Or even, the, you know, these Olympic sports that they talk about, like baseball or water polo, things like that. I mean, football is once a week. So, okay, you can get away with the travel. But when you hear these other sports where you got to get on a plane and, you know, like you said, drive, travel from the West Coast all the way to the Midwest for a water polo match or golf or something like this, it just, from an economic standpoint, it doesn't make much sense. And I know money is driving all this. Well, let's not kid ourselves. You know, this is a business, a big business. I think you can make the case, Stan, that the NFL is king in our country, and there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. But Stan, no doubt about it. I think you can almost make the case now that college football could be the mo second most popular sport in our country. What do you think about that? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, when you look at how much revenue, how much money is involved, you look at how now, like, the national championship game, it's all about the college football playoff. You look at how you got coaches that are making $10, $11, 12000000 million a year, things like that. It definitely is, in my opinion, the second most um, popular sport within all of our country just because how many people you see at the college football playoff, how many people you see at the national championship game, and everything that it entails. So I'm definitely right there with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm old school like you, and I do like to see where, you know, growing up, we had the, the teams based on what region of the country we were in. And now, like I said, the Pac-12 is basically dead, and it's just hard for me to fathom. There's four teams left. You got Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington State. I mean, Stanford is one of the most prestigious schools in the country, and they're not even sure where they're going to be playing major college football or any of their other sports. It's just hard for me to fathom. Now, I know you and I talked about we're just old school. We like to see it more by the regions. But as a coach, as a team now, University of Houston playing in the Big 12, from that standpoint, that's got to excite you, correct? Instead of uh, the AAC, correct? And nothing against oh. the AAC, but this the jump, uh, the opponents in the league you're in now has got to be a huge boost, not only for the program, but the school itself. Am I right? Oh, no, I mean, okay. yeah, definitely. You know, uh, being in a bigger conference, obviously, like I said, bigger revenue, bigger stage, bigger platform. Uh, I can go all the way down the list. And then obviously, uh, better talent, more competition. So the stakes are higher, uh, things like that. So I think it's going to be a great experience. I think it's going to be great uh, to actually go ahead and take on that new challenge. And I think the fans are going to be, uh, they're going to be very pleased. Yeah. For people who are more familiar with the NFL and college, how big of a leap is this for your program going from the AAC, which is a, a group of five, 
now in the Big 12, we're part of the Power Five conferences or Power Four or Five. I don't know. I'm not sure where the number is anymore of what's going on with the Pac-12. It's a huge leap, obviously. Uh, it's like going from, it's like going from, I guess you say, high school to college okay. <laughs> to a certain degree. Uh, just because it's a difference in talent, it's a difference in recruiting, it's a difference in expectations, it's a difference in pressure, it's a difference in the TV channels that'll be actually covering the game, it's a difference in exposure, the media coverage, everything, uh, all like I, everything from A to Z in so many words. And I think that in life, you got to embrace change, you got to be able to be comfortable while being uncomfortable, you got to be able to assess it you got to be able to be able to go ahead and be triumphant you got to accept you got to you got to in many ways you have to invite embrace challenge embrace change and that's exactly what's going on right now with all the reshuffling everything that you see going on within collegiate sports but especially within college football with all of this musical chairs when it comes to the conference realignment when's the first game Stan? first game is september 2nd against utsa all right home or away uh, it'd be home. All right, UTSA. So that's for University of Houston. We'll open with the Raiders. Kick things off on Sunday, hosting the San Francisco 49ers in their first of three preseason games. All right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Rout, I'm Dennis Ackerman. May all your punts find the coffin corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.